Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Well, Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. And this is podcast 13 for the year. Dennis, I, I'm constantly, I don't know why, but I'm constantly amazed about how when Scott Morrison realises he's in political trouble on an issue... He calls a press conference and with all that jaw-jutting gravity that he can fake so easily, uh, announces uh, he's going to do bugger all on that particular issue. And we saw that with the response to the Respect at Work report, which the government's had since January last year, and has only fully, well, not even fully, uh, only now decided to give it official recognition and the Prime Minister in his press conference on the 8th, he essentially admitted he's just doing it for political reasons. He said, uh, he said uh, not on one occasion last year was I asked about this matter in the House of Representatives, nor were my ministers. Not on one occasion did this come up in question time. He's essentially saying, well, nobody put any pressure on me. It's only now after the women's issues and safety in workplaces has come up that I'm responding. It was a stunning admission, which I don't think he knew he was making. He's mishandled this yet again, hasn't he? Uh, well, I think you're being very unfair on, on, uh, <laughs> on, on the Prime Minister. I mean, after all, he, he and his government have accepted uh, and agreed to uh, wholly or in part or in principle or noted all 55 recommendations. Uh, now, you <laughs> yeah. know, sort of, um, I, I, I think that, you know, what the Prime Minister wants you to do is to concentrate on that phrase all or that word all and uh, forget about the um, agreed wholly or in part in principle or noted um, <clears throat> which uh, may or may not be um, a bit of elasticity uh, look yes you're right and and that was a stunning admission because it basically said, look, I didn't need to care about this because no one asked me about it. You know, sort of, yes. you know, um, uh, the respect at work for women in Australia is only important if I, Scott Morrison, am asked about it. Uh, what's actually happening to women doesn't make it important at all. I mean, it was an extraordinary uh, an admission of, well, you know, here's why I'm being neglectful. Um, and, and I think you're right. I don't think he really realised what he was saying. Um, you know, but it, it, it's not new. We've heard this before from the Prime Minister. And the other extraordinary thing about that uh, uh, early morning press conference he did when um, the report was released, the thousand-page report, um, so journalists were gathered, they were told... Uh, as I said before, that all 55 recommendations were blah, 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 blah. However, the government's 25-page response, which was a wordy way of saying we'll get around to a lot of this stuff eventually and there's some other stuff that other people may do uh, and the really important stuff that Kate uh, 
Jenkins says should be done, well, we're not going to do that really. Uh, that wasn't released uh, for another two and a half hours. Uh, so the journalists, you know, yet again, as happened with the aged care report, as happened so often with this government, they are not given any information uh, to make um, upon which they can make uh, meaningful inquiry. Um, you know, it, it's a well, it, it's what we've come to accept from this government uh, to expect from this government, but it's not what we should accept. I don't think. I mean, no. do, you, do you do you think that he thinks that no one notices? I I think he he believes a certain section of the voting population will see him on the TV with, as I say, that jutting jaw and uh, and the fake gravitas and think, ah, oh, well, there he is. He's up there doing something. I mean, ordinary people don't have the... They're doing important things like raising families and keeping jobs, etc. Uh, they don't have time to go into the, uh, the, the minutiae of his announcements. Uh, if they did, they'd find it rather barren uh, territory. Uh, so all he wants to do is try and bolster his political appeal to that certain section of the population. He uses press conferences not as a means to disperse uh, information, but as uh, a political strategy uh, trying to try and get himself out of trouble. I mean, in that press conference, they, they tossed up the fact that the government thought it'd be good if MPs and judges were subject to the same uh, workplace laws as everybody else. Um, now, that, as I understand it, is not a recommendation uh, in the report itself. I could be wrong because I have not read every word of it and I'm pretty sure nor is Scott Morrison. But having tossed this out to create the illusion that things were being done, um, then... Uh, Michaelia Cash, the new Attorney General, and Scott Morrison then admitted they didn't know how they were going to do it. You can't sack an MP uh, for uh, harassment in the workplace because he's not, uh, he or she is not an employee. Uh, he or she has been elected. I mean, basic things like that they could not address and uh, they had to stumble over this, for, for, yeah, which was tossed up merely, as I suggest, uh, to uh, create the illusion that things were being done. Uh, and look, I, I know I'm being harsh here, but uh, uh, and, and roughly the same sort of thing came up uh, when he had press conferences about vaccines. Now, if I could just uh, uh, question you on a certain amount of, uh, of uh, word use. When, when somebody says that something has been secured, uh, you would imagine that they are confident of delivery and at the time of delivery, delivery and the efficacy of those deliveries. Scott Morrison used the word secure in terms of 20 million Pfizer uh, jabs, but he had no idea about the rest. He just tossed it out there again to create the illusion this government was uh, marching on uh, stoutly uh, in the right direction when there's so much evidence that uh, it is not, which might seem hard given that we've uh, we've had more than 60 days without a community uh, spread of the uh, COVID virus. But that's mainly because the states have done so well. When it comes to the prime minister, not so good. And he again, he needed to come up with a press conference, the jaw, etc., to create the illusion that things were in hand and they are not. 
No, the uh, you know the the new supply um, which he says he's secured from Pfizer, uh, if it actually happens, uh, and it probably will, um, you know, won't occur until the last quarter of the year. So that's uh, October, November, December. Um, between now and then, which is six months almost. Um, you know, we are going to have not just the situation as promised, which was, you know, we'd be at the head of the queue, we'd be world beating, we'd be doing four million by the end of March, we'd be doing a million a week, we'd be doing, you know, so you know, on and on and on. The uh, uh, booster uh, promises came, um, you know, from the Prime Minister and his Health Minister, Greg Hunt. Um, that's all, the, even that is now not going to happen at the pace or on the schedule that was originally announced. It is now being, to use the Prime Minister's new favourite word, recalibrated. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and what recalibrated actually means is it's going to be slowed down. Um, you know, and as, as you know, we're, we're recording this on Sunday morning, um, and we've got news fresh out of uh, uh, the United States. The, the American media is reporting this morning uh, that World Health Organization is saying that there is some suggestion that the variant of the coronavirus detected in South Africa is capable of breaking through the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, mm. they, say, they say it's very early. They don't know whether it's conclusive or what. But it just shows, you know, and you know, in in a sense, it, it sort of backs up some of what the prime minister is saying, but not what the prime minister is emphasising, and that is that this is a very fast-moving uh, situation in terms of how the virus is is evolving, and secondly, how the vaccination uh, process, not just in Australia but worldwide, is not occurring uh, to everyone's desire, although. Um, most countries seem to be making a much better fist of it than Australia. Absolutely. It, it'd be interesting to know the depth of scepticism within the uh, uh, the voting bloc as to Scott Morrison's uh, statements. Um, you know, he's secured something. Well, I have no what that don't know what that means. There, there was a a tweet today, a very impudent and cheeky tweet by somebody called Jessica Rudd. Uh, who just happens to be daughter of you-know-who, but uh, said, uh, do we have an order confirmation and tracking number for the Pfizer, or did we just add to cut? <laughs> Which I think sums up uh, that, that scepticism uh, uh, rather, rather nicely. Um, look, uh, we've got to keep talking about the budget coming up, and there's now even more emphasis on it being a so-called women's budget, uh, I don't know how that's going to be managed at this time uh, because we still haven't seen the full follow-through of the uh, uh, removal of, of JobKeeper uh, on the economy. But all the, all the news seems pretty uh, pretty upbeat, and, and not just because Josh Frydenberg is uh, pushing it in that direction. Uh, the, uh, the projections for the economy seem to be uh, pretty nice, and uh, we, we should all be grateful for that, that Australia is pulling out of um, the uh, the pandemic nosedive uh, 
in a relatively productive way. Is, is that something that people are accepting, do you think? I think there is a, a fair bit of um, relief in large sections of the community that things didn't get as bad as uh, the government thought they were and, and a, a lot of members of the public thought they were, but there is still in discrete sections of the community uh, anxiety and um, a fair bit of anguish um, as people aren't allowed to, aren't able to, I should say, uh, in some cases aren't allowed to, get back to the kind of productive um, place they were before the pandemic arrived. Uh, and, you know, top of the list, you know, we go through these just about every podcast, but, you know, top of the list are the tourism sector, hospitality, uh, entertainment. Um, uh, these, these, these sectors uh, which ha have mainly uh, um, workers uh, who work from job to job, don't have sort of one steady job uh, and uh, depend on just a constant turnover of activity in, in their particular uh, occupation uh, and it's just not happening you know sort of I was reading um, yesterday uh, an interview with Michael Chug um, the concert promoter uh, uh, you know he, he, he is very keen on getting as much of the entertainment industry as open as possible but he, he said look you know the, if, if things aren't opened up uh, and with the disappearance of JobKeeper, which he said was just keeping many people alive, both in a physical sense and in a mental sense, he said he feared for you know a lot of people uh, in on the production side of, of the music industry, road road crew and production crew, who he said uh, could be sort of. Um, you know, starting to stare at walls and who knows, he, he said he feared for the worst. Oh, yeah, and and it was so heartbreaking to what happened to the Byron Bay Blues Festival. I mean, not just the people that uh, you, you just mentioned then directly in the industry, but all the, the food providers and service providers who'd stocked up for the event and suddenly, with very little warning, it was kiboshed by this bloody awful Satan flu, as you call it. Uh, let's go to letters, and um, you could ask us questions. Uh, we call them letters, but of course they're emails, which could be sent to two grumpy hacks. That's numeral two, grumpy hacks, one word, at gmail.com. Uh, we got one from Peter from Canberra. We've got a couple of uh, questions uh, today, which are pretty good ones. Uh, Peter from Canberra asks, Scott Morrison employs an army of highly paid advisors. How come he makes such a hash of things? Does he ignore their input or do they provide dodgy advice? Over to you, Dennis. Uh, well, you know, um, the politicians are the ones who have to sort of own what they do. Uh, now, they get good advice, they get bad advice. Um, and, and sometimes they, they listen to it, sometimes they don't. Uh, I think in Scott Morrison's case, I think more, probably more often than not, he, he doesn't get uh, uh, you know, really bad advice. But uh, I think that, uh, and you can almost see it when he does make mistakes and when he does get himself into trouble. It's when sort of, if you'll pardon a, 
terrible expression, the real Scott Morrison emerges, you know, sort of, um, you know, when he, when he uh, attacks, um, you know, uh, journalists at a press conference. Uh, now, there's no way he was told that it, it would be really bright if you went out there and sort of poked... Uh, poked the uh, the journalists in the room by saying, you people have problems with um, sexual harassment too, don't you lecture us. I mean, you know, that was him. Uh, so uh, I think on the balance of probability, uh, if Scott Morrison is stuffing up, it's all his own work. Uh, look, I, I agree. Uh, and I think a minister's office, whether it's prime minister or anyone else, reflects the views, priorities, etc., of that minister. And uh, going back to the incident you uh, nominated there, I, I would be surprised if Scott Morrison hadn't been told, uh, uh, you know, at least sketchily, of some incident involving uh, a gallery journalist uh, and been told quite keenly and eagerly by one of his, uh, one of his flunkies um, who delighted in being able to put crap on uh, on journalists, and and Morrison then regurgitated it uh, uh, recklessly and thoughtlessly. Uh, but in the end, you can't blame the advisers. Uh, they have to do what the minister wants, and if the minister wants to run a clunky office, uh, then it's his or her fault. Now, if we could move on to um, uh, Central Queensland. Uh, and it's lovely to hear from Gavin. Uh, Gavin says, uh, uh, what qualification, and these are really interesting questions, uh, what qualification, or what quality, sorry, does a minister need to be good at their job? A follow-up, how do you define talent in a backbencher? That's pretty good, Gavin. Uh, going back to you, Dennis. Um, well, it, it's a, you know, it's it's a, a bit like you know, sort of, you're not sure what it is, but you know it when you see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's it's an ability to to think clearly and creatively, to um, listen uh, and, and consider and and act in a timely manner. Yeah, you know, sort of that's off the top of my head, but you know, sort of I think those. Those things uh, are key qualities, and I think sort of out of those, listening is probably uh, as important as any anything else. Uh, a good politician is a politician who seeks out advice and listens, considers it, and then works out how best to put that advice once uh, once I've worked out that it's the right thing to do uh, into action. Um, you know. Uh, and, and if you look at politicians who stuff up, you know they, they uh, invariably have failed on some of those fronts. Um, I remember um, a very old politician in in Queensland now now sadly departed. Tom Burns uh, once he said to me that his guiding principle was always. Uh, if you don't want to see it on the front page of the Courier Mail, don't bloody say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, he was a great man, Tommy. There's no doubt about that. Uh, now, the, 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 the idea of talent amongst backbenchers, one of the great problems these days is that there are some 
backed ventures who don't have any talent except in the area of uh, boosting their profile. I mean, you know, it, it's the Craig Kelly phenomenon. There's a bloke who clearly is adult and, and just uh, just vomits up uh, some of the weirder elements of, uh, of uh, Google and, and social media, uh, and he's got this big profile. There are others who do roughly the same, not, not as uh, uh, with the hostility of, uh, of Kelly or, or the idiocy, um, but they seem to think that by getting a profile on social media or on subscription television or elsewhere, they're proving they have talent. Well, they're not really. They're just proving they can talk about themselves a lot, uh, which isn't necessarily um, a, a great bonus for a backbencher. Uh, it, it's a difficult question, though, because the temptation is huge. There's plenty of platforms there for uh, backbenchers to get up and gibber away. Yeah, it is, it is. And can I, can I make a, a, a recommendation for, for people who, who are interested in, in that aspect of the way modern politics has changed and is changing? Uh, John Boehner, who was a re- Republican speaker in the House of Representatives uh, during the Obama years, has just written a memoir. Um, I haven't read all of it, but I read a chapter that... Uh, the website Politico published uh, uh, just in the last week or so, where he talks about how uh, you know Republican politicians in America now measure success by getting on Fox News and not by actually doing the work uh, in Congress. Uh, and he said that this is very destructive and it's destroying the whole political process in the U.S. Um, uh, James Carville, who was Bill Clinton's advisor, uh, he says that uh, Boehner is the best Republican speaker in his lifetime, and James is 75 years old. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that Boehner, you know, uh, he had a he had a hard time, uh, but he was a good speaker and he was dedicated to public service. It's a terrific article. It's a, a terrific piece, and uh, and I think that it does show. That the uh, the kind of uh, political virus that has infected the Republicans in in America is present in Australia and um, uh, and at the top of the list of the people who have caught it are people like Craig Kelly and uh, uh, and George Christensen. Yeah, yeah. Look, we just finish up uh, um, now. Gavin from Central Queensland uh, at the end of his uh, email has a, an observation, which I think is worth uh, tossing out. Gavin says, at my workplace, I am in a crew with several other mates. Uh, Politics came up in the lunchroom uh, this week. None of them had heard of the latest news on lambing. Small sample, small sample size. uh, Make of that what you will. Capricornia, electorate. Now... That is a bit disturbing, and if they haven't heard about um, the the uh, the nature of uh, Andrew Lamming, the Liberal MP, uh, it's certainly not our fault. Um, but, but you wonder how they how they could have missed that. Yeah, well, um, you know, probably they've got other things to do in in Rocky. Uh, that's Rockhampton for the rest of Australia. Um, but uh, I'm reliably informed that. Uh, People down around Moreton Bay uh, in the electorate um, uh, of Bowman, uh, where Andrew Lamming um, sets up Facebook groups and uh, and does other things, uh, people are talking about him.
Yeah. Look, uh, I, I misread uh, Gavin's thing. He, he uh, is in a crew with seven other males, if I can uh, make that correction. Uh, okay. And uh, if we have more to say about Andrew Lamming, we will certainly say it uh, next week when we come back to you. In the meantime, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me.